The Rugby Report Japan 2019 is sponsored by Betfred. Check out the Betfred app for a wide variety of markets on every game from Japan. What a set of games to kick us off. Straya Fiji, the flair game between France and Argentina, the show-stopping Kiwis against the Springboks, the Irish facing up to the Scots, and, of course, England against Tonga on Sunday. We're excited, you're excited, and so are Betfred. Whenever you bet, Betfred. 18s and over. Be gambleaware.org. When the fun stops, stop. The Rugby Report, Japan 2019, with Betfred. The whole country is excited, and everybody that you speak that you know follows South African rugby is excited uh, for what Russia has done. Konnichiwa from Japan. Nick Heath here in Okinawa. And Tom May in Osaka. Yes, hello and welcome to the Rugby Report Japan 2019 with Betfred. It's Rugby World Cup Day. Hallelujah. Uh, Thanks to all of you who've been downloading and listening to our first two episodes, our scene setters and previews to all four pools at Rugby World Cup. This is your bite-sized guide to the latest news and previews of rugby's biggest bash. And, uh, well, we're both finally in Japan. I've been here for almost a week. And, uh, and Tom, you touched down today. I arrived this morning. Yeah, uh, it feels like the longest day on the planet. But um, yeah, it was a great flight <laughs> over. And no, look, I, I'm really excited to see how many people are coming over here to the tournament. You know, there were Bulgarians on my flight that, that were flying over in head to toe in Springbok gear. Um, and the, the Germans, Bulgarians in Springbok gear. Yeah, I mean, they're a bit like Man United supporters that from, I don't know, X to Way or something like that. Never, never, ever been <laughs> right. there before. Uh, but yeah. the, but the staff on the Lufthansa flight, they were talking about how they were looking forward to maybe getting back out towards the end of the tournament, maybe seeing a game. Um, oh, nice. You know, and, and they're obviously German and, and didn't make the tournament. So, you know, there's a lot of interest in this uh, and I'm really excited for what is, you know, um, here upon us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we are still aiming for a pod in under 20 minutes, <laughs> uh, yeah, even though our second one... Yeah, already ran over that. So uh, excellent work by us. Um, But we are properly off and running. um, And uh, well, thank goodness. So is the rugby itself. It was almost like it would never come, uh, like bashing away when you've been on the sniff. Um, Now, there is no chance that we're going to manage to keep this one under 20 minutes, but we will do our best. Um, Now, I wanted to share with you a message that I received sent to at the rugby report underscore on Twitter. Um, It's a big shout from Phil Burns, who got in touch with me uh, with a DM that asked, what would it take to get all the Japanese fans to do the Ayatollah in respect for Alfie every time Wales scores. Can I leave you to sort that out? Cheers, but. Um, this is, of oh. course, about Alfie Gareth Thomas, one of the game's best ever players, uh, a bloke who notably came out as a gay fella at, at the end of his career um, and was recently forced to admit he's got HIV by the bastards at the Sun newspaper. Um, now, Phil mentions the Ayatollah, the old Cardiff celebration that, uh, that Alfie would do when he scored tries. Tom, it's a nice idea. I mean, he talks about getting the Japanese to do it. I mean, I... We should surely be getting the Welsh fans to do this, right? Well, the Welsh fans should should start it off. But as far as I can see, the Japanese will do anything. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. let, let's try and get them involved. I, I, I think uh, if we just tell them that's what happens in rugby in Wales, then, then they'll all do it, right? I mean, look how many people yeah. have been watching them training. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the numbers have been ridiculous turning out. And so, uh, well, yeah, so if you know any Welsh fans who are in Japan going to the games, get messaging them now on our behalf and uh, and let's see if we can get them doing it. Um, speaking of Wales, Tom, we should probably mention up front um, the news that Rob Howley has been sent home for those alleged betting offences. Uh, hell of a birthday present that was for Warren Gatland this week. Stephen Jones on his way. Um, I tweeted about the fact that, uh, well, a little tongue-in-cheek comment saying that it's probably lengthened the odds on Wales winning this World Cup, but a few Welsh fans seem to think it might have shortened them. Yeah, look, I guess one of the things that we've we noticed about Wales ahead of this competition is that, well, they haven't been scoring that many tries, have they? Or that many points, to be honest. So um, maybe it's a blessing in disguise that you just cannot be involved in anything like that if you're involved in, in the in the game. Um, and, you know, let's let's wait and see the outcome of that. But I, but I actually think this might work in, in Wales' favour. I'm not sure... Uh, Rob Howley was the most popular of coaches, um, mm. but I know full well that that everyone would be looking forward to Stephen Jones arriving. He's obviously um, going to be involved uh, after the World Cup, and I think players will be looking forward to making a good early impression on him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how that's affected the Welsh camp. Might be a case of bringing them together. We will wait and see. Uh, right then, so this is your look ahead to arguably the biggest weekend of the tournament in the group stage. Well, it is already, because it's, it's, well, yeah, it's not, the first one, not the, you idiot. Well, you're all right, but, you know, I'm also not suggesting it's downhill from here, uh, of course. <laughs> but, uh, but, oh, yeah. digging. Um, yeah, but first of all, uh, let's just get a quick message from our sponsor. The Rugby Report is sponsored by Betfred. So the tournament is finally here and Betfred have a huge variety of markets on all the action from Japan. You can bet on first try scorers, Sevi Reese for the All Blacks against South Africa maybe. A match result, will Australia come unstuck against the Flying Fijians? And of course their pick your punt markets on your home nation or just your favourite team. Scrum on down to Betfred for all your rugby bets in Japan. 18 and over, be gambleaware.org, maximum stakes apply, when the fun stops, stop. Now, we are bringing this episode out on the morning of the Japan-Russia game, UK time, so uh, we can't quite review that game yet, unless, Tom, um, you want to have some kind of mystic predictive review statement about Japan-Russia. Um, for anyone listening, after that game has been played, your man of the match, maybe? I thought Russia were very strong, uh, but um, <laughs> Japan t- took off like an absolute bunch of lunatics. Fumiaki Tanaka at nine. Wow, what a player. <laughs> Great. Now, he's, he's going to be completely garbage. I was going with it then. I quite liked where you were going. But anyway, look, six massive games to get through. Yeah. Uh, we're probably already overrunning. Yeah. Let's start with banana skin match number one, Australia against Fiji. Uh, Tom spoke to former 36 cap Wallabies hooker Zaya Fainga uh, about what the boys in green and gold might be facing. I think, obviously, with the Fijians, I don't think the Wallabies actually have encountered the offloading, the actual mayhem that they will bring. Um, I know that the Wallabies have been... Uh, training uh, in difficult cons- circumstances, as in you know the three flying, quick taps. Um, you know they've obviously got a good scrum now. They're liner, but it's a, it's a, it's a bogey game for the Warbies. You don't know what actual Fiji you're going to bring. You can't really do, you know, the, the games that they have played. They haven't really played their first actual team, and if they have, they've they've chopped and changed. You know, we've got a couple of Fijians that are playing in the in the team. You know, the conditions over there are perfect for them. It's going to be hot. It's going to be humid. As much as we will rely on our set piece to beat them at scrum and line out, I think around the field, we potentially could be a little bit, not overweight, but just 
not gain fitness because they've been in Fiji and they have been acclimatizing to the humidity but also they've got new staff so the S&C staff the strength and conditioning coach the nutritionist all their staff have literally are from Australia and have literally rebuilt this whole new Fijian team to become one of the best and you can tell by the way that the athletes are looking now well, that is a worried-sounding wallaby right there. Um, I love the fact he's keeping a hand in by mentioning the Australian backroom staff who are helping Fiji get fitter. Um, Does that mean so whoever wins? Yeah, Aussie win either way. Yeah. yeah. I, I, um, so, uh, you know, I was just going to say about the, the Fijian backline, I know I just bang on about this lot all the time, but Vola Vola, Redradra on the wing, Botia Nyathalevu in the centre. I mean, that yeah. is possibly two of the most terrifying human beings in the world both playing the same team in the centre, Tua Sova yeah. and then Muru Muravalo at fullback. Um, and then at six, seven and eight, Dominic Vanganabrotu, Yato. Easy for you to say. Yeah, try, try that with jet lag. Yato yeah. and um, <laughs> Mata, who we've all seen um, in the Champions Cup just tear ups. These guys are unbelievable. And yes, you're right. This is the banana skin game. I think they have the real potential to to topple the Australians if they're not careful. Yeah, well, John McKee's side uh, that he's named includes six guys that lost to Australia in 2015, um, four who play in their third World Cup. You mentioned a couple of them. Um, it's uh, Leone Nakarawa, Dominico Vancani Barotu, Kini Marimarivalu, and, uh, and a man named after an Australian, Campesi Marfu. Um, three of those are in the pack. And my mate Sam Lana, um, who is a brilliant analysis fella, um, he's even been recruited by Rugby World Cup for the tournament, so he's doing some great stuff with, the, with them. Um, he tells me that the Fiji scrum is even something to behold these days. Um, says that they've really strengthened up in that area. Um, looking at the Wallabies themselves then, I mean, they line up with almost the same team that beat the All Blacks in Perth. David Pocock, the only but rather handy change. Um, when you look at this side and you think about Fiji's previous frailties in the 15s game, I mean, it's, it's really difficult to call. It can lead you to believe that Jamie Joseph's side don't have much of a chance because this Australia side beat the All Blacks. Yeah, I... <sighs> Look, I, I think the Australian side is, is by far and away good enough to beat this Fijian team. I just think first up in a, in a tournament like this, the, the Fiji are exactly the team you don't want to be playing. It's really interesting yeah. that they've selected Poke up and Hooper. I think their ability to slow down the Fijian ball is going to be really key. Um, but Australia will look to the set piece, will look to like, like their organisation almost to frustrate the Fijians to try and slow the pace of the game down so that it doesn't become some sort of massive sevens competition um, because yeah. the, 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 the Fijians will win that. Um, interesting that Nick White and Leliafano start at half-back. Um, I'm, I'm not 100% convinced about James O'Connor at 13. He's done all right. Um, he's mm. a great rugby player. Um, I just wonder further into the competition that whether he gets a bit exposed there. Um I'd like to see him exposed there. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's this is not that's not for this podcast, Nick. <laughs> Sorry. Look, let's uh, let's move on anyway. I mean, it's certainly going to be a hell of a game that, but uh, let let's uh, let's crack on with so many games to uh, to get through. Uh, France Argentina the next one. Uh, Girardo leading a France side that doesn't feature Racker. We gave him all the oh, build up. No. Uh, so uh, good one there. Girardo and Picamol's third World Cup. Uh, another couple of stats for you. Roman Entomac makes it a first for a father-son duo for France at a World Cup. Um, and to some people, Charles 
Charles Olivon, uh, maybe a lesser-known man in the pack. He started two warm-up games at Flanker, but his last appearance before that was two and a half years earlier. Now that is French. Um, that said, <laughs> Dupont, Entamac, Vakatawa, Fiku, with everyone's favourite panto villain, Johan Uge and Damien Pernod on the wings, with old Mutton Chops Medard at the back. I mean, Medard's he's going for Wolverine, I think, but he's a goatee short of being Jeff Mann from Biker Grove. Um, what do you make of, of, of that French side? <laughs> I'm just trying to think of Jeff Mann from Biker Grove, and I know exactly who you're <laughs> talking about. I like them. I think they look really good. I think I think Dupont and, uh, and Tamak at half back, that's the future of the French game. They're going to try and build their team around those two. Um, I like Aldred at eight purely for the fact that he was born in a place called Condom. Um, <laughs> my most hated player in rugby is Uge. Um, I can't stand the bloke, um, but. Yeah. Um, he he's in some pretty good form, isn't he, at the moment? He scored four tries in the five games during the Six Nations. Uh, he got mm. one against Italy in one of their warm-up games. Um, Vakatawa in the centre. We haven't seen him there for a long time. This is a really big opportunity for him to, to put his hand back up and try and stake a long-term claim in the French midfield. Um, mm. Look, I, I think they're in a pretty good place. I'm, and I'm slightly concerned, as I mentioned in, in one of our previous pods, um, look out for Camille Shan, Demba Bamba as well coming on because they are box office when they get off the bench. They might be a hooker and, mm. a, prop, and a prop, but they can knock people about like they're, they're pinballing people. So uh, look out for them. I, I think I think the French will win this. I, th- I know they got undone in this similar fixture in 2007, but I can't see it happening again. Yeah. Okay. Well, as for the Pumas, I mean, Daniel Lucard's side uh, hasn't been named as we record. Um, but knowing roughly where the Pumas are after the rugby championship, I mean, they only lost by four to New Zealand. They only lost by six to Australia, albeit they did take a beating by the box. I mean, do they have a chance in Tokyo Stadium on Saturday afternoon? That's, a, that's an 8.15 a.m. game time uh, in the UK. Look, I think they've got a chance. Everyone's got a chance. But I don't know whether they've they've improved enough to, to keep advancing on on what they've done in previous tournaments. Um, mm. And France, I think, are making strides in the right direction at last. My God, it's taken some time. Um, yeah. Argentina, you know, they've just gone away from, from that set piece where their strength was. And then, they, and then they sort of went into the rugby championship and they thought, right, well, now you have to play like a hare and scaring team. Um, yeah. And they've sort of forgotten what they were good at. So that's just going to be the French for me, I think. Yeah, certainly will be. Okay, as I said, that one, an 8.15 kickoff on Saturday uh, morning in the UK. Um, Then the big one. My goodness me. New Zealand against South Africa. The 99th test match between these two sides. Will the 100th meeting be the Rugby World Cup final? (laughs) Um, It's uh, it's an 115th test start for Kieran Reid. Sam Whitelock makes it 112 in the second row alongside Scott Barrett. Uh, Moanga, Bridge, Crotty, Leanett Brown... Uh, uh, yeah, Bridge on the wing with Reese on the other, Bowden Barrett at fifteen, and uh, oh, and uh, and Sonny Bill Williams and Ben Smith on the bench, like you do. Yeah, their uh, back replacements uh, are ridiculous. They've what are they? It, they've all got over fifty or fifty-five caps, I think, haven't they? The three of them. Yeah, ridiculous. Steve Hansen has said uh, we have a great one-two punch with Dane and Cody at hooker, and Aaron and TJ at halfback. Yeah, let alone the others we've just mentioned. <laughs> um, in terms of the box, Vermeulen 50th cap, they're unchanged uh, from the side that played Japan. And it's the same as the side that drew with the All Blacks in Wellington in July. Uh, so uh, so this one's going to be fascinating. They've had a bit of uh, support uh, from Novak Djokovic in some hideous oh, cross-sport video. 
it is, that really makes terrible. me cringe. He's yeah, almost yeah. like sorry, sorry. What are the, what's their nickname? Yeah. Bo- Bo- yeah. Boca. How, Go how Boca. Yeah, yeah, I am not a fan of Stick that. To tennis ball. Um, yeah, um, I mean, it's likely to be a bit of an emotional occasion. South African rugby have lost Chester Williams recently uh, with James Small's death in July, meaning that's, uh, well, that's both wingers from the Springbok side that won the 95 World Cup final. Um, I caught up with a big man at Gloucester, former South African international, now coach Johan Ackerman, to ask if Erasmus might tap into the loss of these guys as a spur to send the team out with. Uh, I've played with Rassi and I know him for a long time and he's one of the best strategized people and you know his planning is always in detail and he would have planned this World Cup to the to the utmost uh, fine points and when it comes to the emotional side he'll be up there by getting the boys in, uh, mentally ready and, uh, and I think this will just add to the fuel. Mm. He'll definitely will say boys we've lost World Cup winners in Chester, James Small, and, and, and make it, I think, very personal for South Africa um, to do well. Yeah. How easy is the vision in your mind of South Africa lifting that trophy? It's very easy, to be honest, and not because I'm biased, because I'm a, I realistically look at, at, at them as a squad. Where is South Africa weak? Well, it's hard to find at the moment really a weakness. Um, so I think it's really in their control. Um, and there's confidence of the, they, that you can see they're well prepared. And uh, I'll be surprised if South Africa is not in an, uh, at least in that in their final. So, Tom, um, you know the Springboks losing two wingers. We've also, of course, famously seen uh, seen the passing of Jonah Lomu from that game. It, it, it's just quite spooky, isn't it? Yeah, it's horrendous, really weird, and, and tragically weird. Um, you know, it's one of those games that I remember as a young lad growing up. I was actually in South Africa on a rugby tour with my school at the time. I think. Um, and watching it, I remember James Small, you know, I just loved the way he played, but, you know, incredibly sad for them. But there's no doubt um, they will be trying to use the memory of those players to to really drive them on through this tournament. Um, mm. And they've got, a good, you know, even without that that extra emotion, they've got a massive chance to, to, to do something here. I think they're, they're peaking at the right time. You know, we talk about um, that specifically, I, I, I guess, with the Olympic sports especially. This South African team really look like they've they've hit hit their straps at exactly the right moment. I love I love the look of that back row. Vermeulen's just a, a brute, isn't he, with ball in hand? And then you've yeah. got the likes of Detroit and Kil- and Khaleesi that just go around doing all the stuff that n- no one really wants to do. Um, yeah, just grafting. Um, what's amazing about the All Blacks? And then, you know, I think we briefly mentioned it in one of the pods, but you know, when you bring in in inverted commas, bolters for, for Rugby World Cup squads. Yeah. Some players, like a Rory McConaughey, might might get a half or a game here or there. Well, yeah. Reese and Bridge, straight in. Ben Smith, you can sit on the bench and wait for your opportunity. Yeah. It is ridiculous, isn't it? Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and maybe this is where the All Blacks will be just licking their lips because actually all the talk is about South Africa. Um, and it's, well, yeah, the All Blacks are are generally one of the favourites anyway. So maybe the focus has shifted slightly off them and let them go about their business a bit more. Yeah, well, I was I was fortunate enough to chat to Gary Gold, who's the USA head coach yesterday, and uh, and and he was sort of saying to me, you know, I do think the Bocker will do it, but um, you know, you write off the All Blacks at your peril. Yeah, well, it just allows them to get on with what they're doing, doesn't it? You know, they're yeah. I guess they 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 pile enough pressure on themselves as individuals and the way they set their standards. Um, you know, if, if suddenly everyone else, all eyes are on South Africa, well, 
that just takes one tiny little um, yeah. edge off them, I guess. Um, it's going to be one hell of a game, though. I will be sat yeah. down watching that for sure. Yeah, certainly will be. Um, okay, on to Sunday then. Italy against Namibia. Um, you're commentating on this one, I understand. So um, this one, this one's quite a nice opener for Conor O'Shea, given how things are going to pan out. Yeah, I th- listen. I, I think uh, given that group, uh, that these these other three teams are just going to be looking for any opportunity they can get. Um, it really, really interesting to hear what the Namibian scrum coach has been saying, Jaco Vengels. He's he's been saying that the amount of time that the ball is in play now it's about six six or seven minutes more um, than it was during the last World Cup. So their focus has been completely on yeah. on conditioning and getting their players who are amateur, who are semi-pro, and some who of whom are pro, uh, getting them in the best condition pro- possible. Um, mm. And then he went on to say that which means there are now no fat props. Um, <laughs> Which, which I but think for the rugby purist game, not true. Um, <laughs> it, it is a bit disappointing, isn't it? You always like to see a bloke <laughs> who's in a really, really tight strip that, yeah. that feels really awkward about it because he's just trying to pull it down because <laughs> his <laughs> yeah. drum's coming over the top of his shorts. <laughs> yeah, muffin top-tastic. Um, yeah, it's a 6.15am game. I mean, we know only a handful of you out there will be up bleary-eyed with your cornflakes uh, at that time. Maybe stick an espresso down for you for that truly Italian feeling. Um, I mean, in terms of analysis, Tom, between Namibia and, and perhaps a side like Uruguay, who do you know the least about? Uh, well, Uruguay at the moment, because I don't commentate on them until October the 13th, <laughs> so I haven't even looked at that yet. So I'm... I'm <laughs> I'm all about Namibia at the moment, so... Uh, I can't but... wait for your analysis on them. <laughs> yes, I win that one. Yeah, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's gently and quietly move on then, because, uh, well, this is what Sunday morning is all about. 8.45am UK, 4.45 in Yokohama, Ireland against Scotland. Um, looking like no Robbie Henshaw, but they've got the nows to cope with that, you would expect. Um, do you think the biggest challenge for Ireland is trying to find where they left their mojo? Yeah, well... If a team has ever gone off the boil at the wrong time, I just yeah. feel like it's... I mean, watch this bite me on the arse. You know, I just feel <laughs> like it's this Irish team. Um, you know, they've, they've been amazing over the past few years. And then ever since that game where England went to Dublin in the Six Nations, mm. completely dismantled them. They've never quite looked look the same. They look like they're just sort of hauling themselves up the ropes. You know, I don't think I don't think Henshaw missing is going to affect them too badly. Of course, they would like him, but they do have some niggly injuries. I think I think Carney's sort of been hobbling about as has Earls. Um, mm. You know, but I think they're probably going to be fit to play. Interesting that Andy Farrell's talking about um, the intensity level of their defence during training and, and how that's risen and how he's just been able to take a backward step and allow the the leaders within the team to to take over training. Now that as a yeah. as a group of players is exactly where you want to be. So maybe that freedom is is helping the players in a way because right well yeah. we we've sort of we've been pretty shite to over the past few weeks. You know, now is our opportunity to to kick on and and you know it the big game of the group, isn't it? Straight out straight out the blocks against Scotland. Um yeah. you know, they have um, they have to defend with intensity to shut them down because they they're effectively Scotland are trying to bring chaos and pace to a game that that Ireland want as an organised, structured um, t- 
test match. Yeah, certainly. And uh, and while Gatland's been putting baby oil on his balls, Scotland have had shampoo on theirs. I mean, Adam Adam Hastings had referred to Ireland being a big, being a big. <laughs> oh God. Um, <laughs> Adam Hastings has referred to Ireland being a big side. Um, I mean, no, no international side is small these days, but, but that's a new one regarding Ireland, isn't it? Yeah, I, everyone's got big lads. And, and yeah. really, I guess when it's coming from a fly-off, it's a bit like, well, everyone's bigger than you anyway, mate. So I think, you know, when you look across their team, there are some big lumps about. But my God, look at Scotland as well. They've got some, some, some big guys knocking about as well. You know, they... Perhaps yeah. they thrive a bit. Rugby, for God's sake. Yeah, you're not going to have little small blokes. Um, yeah. And they can all shift and they're all athletes. So, you know, suck it up. Well, yeah, indeed. Um, by the way, we have cruised well past 20 minutes. So we will crack mm. on because, uh, of course, rounding off the weekend, then the small matter of England against Tonga. Um, now, is this just another warm-up game for England, as Tom May suggested in our pool preview episode? Um, well, what does Dan Robson think? The, uh, the Wasps scrum half, probably England's number three scrum half. What does he make of that suggestion? It's tough. I think, you know, I don't think so. I think once you're in Japan now and, and the games are there, it, it's World Cup focus. Every game, every game is huge. Um, you know, the first two, I, I presume, will be a good, good chance for, for the squad to, to stretch its legs, definitely. Um, get, get everyone some good game time, which, which will definitely, you know, put us in good stead for... for the, the latter stages of the tournament so but I, I don't think the boys will take anything for granted you know Tonga are going to bring a massive amount of physicality it's going to be going to be tough on the body so and with that four or five day turnaround with the USA after it, it's going to be a tough start but you know I'm, I'm sure that sure they'll come through it well you've obviously been been in and out of the setup Eddie's always said that he finds it difficult to coach and run with with three nines how up to speed are you able to feel if if called upon yeah I think you know you, you're always kind of in the loop and stuff and you know, he, he's always he's always said to to a few of us, you, we just got to be ready. Um, you never know when when the call could come if it does come. So, for me, it's it's just being ready and physically as fit as I can be, and you know, doing all the training we're doing at Wasps. That that that's that's going to be no problem for me. So, yeah, it's just about being ready and and all the stuff. Apart from that, just just takes care of itself mm. when you get back into camp and and all the different calls and stuff. It all it all clicks pretty easily. Well, Dan Robson there. Um, I mean, scrum halves don't often get injured. Certainly that must be Eddie Jones's uh, outlook on things, having only taken two in Youngs and Hines. So uh, can't really see Robson getting out there, can you? Uh, I reckon I can, just based on the fact that you've just mentioned. There's only two of them. To play that much test rugby back-to-back for just two players, I think is really difficult. Um, mm. There's a lot of conversation about who was going to get picked wasn't there aside from Young's and and I guess a, a bit of surprise around Willie Hines um but I just think that much rugby um at some point one of those is going to feel a bit of a niggle and I think I think probably at nine we're probably more likely to see the appearance of someone like like uh, Dan Robson more than any other position really OK, well, uh, we will have to uh, have to wait and see. I mean, looking at the lineup that Eddie Jones has revealed then for that game against Tonga, uh, Marla, George Sinclair, Lausitoji, and then the back row, Curry, Underhill, Vunapola. What do you make of, of Curry and Underhill being selected together again? Well, I think I would have preferred to see Mark Wilson, um, but I think he's struggling with a bit of a niggle, isn't he? It's, he has been, yeah, he for, might a, be, yeah. for a while. 
Um, certainly since that Italian game. But I think Curry and Underhill working together, both out and out sevens, um, very, very good over the ball, as is Mario Toje. Um, that is some... And partly may- maybe with that loose sense that Tonga might play with, they're, they're going to be able to scavenge on anybody that gets isolated. Yeah, well, I, I, I just think that those guys have got a real role to play in terms of slowing down... Uh, Tonga's ball you know they want to play an open expansive game England want to try and shut that down and, and almost ball them to death with it so um, you know I, I think um, I think that's that would potentially have been a 6-7 a combo that Eddie Jones would have picked anyway yeah okay and then looking down the back line uh, we've got uh, George Ford partnering again with Owen Farrell then Tuolangi Watson uh, Daly at the back the wings Johnny May uh, and Watson of course um, in terms of that uh, that Ford-Farrell partnership well it does seem to be something that Eddie Jones is really favouring uh, they've they been his, his uh, most chosen halfback pairing I understand and uh, well one man who didn't get out to Japan is of course tabloids favourite Danny Cipriani um, and uh, well he was very very good with his time in terms of having a chat with me about how he sees that 10-12 partnership working between Ford and Farrell. Yeah, I, I just would talk on a generic basis. I think you know a lot of 10s like to have another ball player outside of them, whether it be um, Alex Good at 15 for Saracens or Owen at 12 f- for England. You know, it's, it's having that other ball player and having someone who can see and read a game in, in, in that sense. Uh, you know... When I was young, I got the fortune to play with Ricky Flutie, and he was he was great in that way. He was he was just a great get out, um, and to see the way that they kick, they've known each other for a long time, and they obviously work very well together. Um, George is a very gifted natural ball player, and Faz is an unbelievable competitor with with great skills as well. And I can I think whenever they play together, England flows better. So it's definitely going to work for them. Yeah, and uh, and has Eddie told you to stay by your phone as as the weeks go by? I'm, I'm sure he's told 50 people to stay by their phones. <laughs> so you know, I'll probably be one of 50. Now, Tom, he is probably one man who isn't going to be getting that call. <laughs> uh, I think we can all agree that that the fact that that Danny Cipriani is is no or has no not been seen for so long in an England shirt um, by by or when Eddie Jones has been co- um, coach, I think the chances of seeing him over here in Japan are fairly slim. Um, at best. <laughs> at best. It's a bit frustrating. I think I think if there's any player that can open up any defence, um, he's probably the man. Um, but I'd love to know what he's done. <laughs> yeah, well, wouldn't we all? Um, very grateful to him for, for giving his time. I mean, interesting to note as well, Henry Slade, Jonathan Joseph on the bench. Slade, sort of England's Rolls-Royce. He, uh, he's finally been out of that boot, running about, and, uh, and we're going to get, get to see him back on the field. Yeah, I think he's quality. Um, and, and I do like the balance that England have in their midfield when, when Manu's at 12 um, and Henry Slade's at 13. I, th- I think it... It adds to England's attacking edge. I think. I think with a runner and a ball player using that ball player in the thirteen channel when he can distribute, probably slightly better than Manu can um, to those outside runners where we've got real threat in in May Watson and Daly. Then you know I I think that's a that's an interesting combo that I'm sure Eddie Jones will have a look at at some point. So you'll be going for an England win. How many do you think they will win by? I think it will start fairly tight. I reckon they'll get to about sixty. All right. Well, that is that. Um, any other business, Tom May? Um, have you uh, managed to mop up all the water you spilled in your hotel room? Um, yeah, I mean, embarrassingly, it's it's pretty much ruined two shelves. So, um, <laughs> what 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 did you do? Well, I tr- 
so I got this right really weird coffee machine, like one of these techie shelves, and I tried to plug the coffee machine in, and it just knocked the back of the coffee machine off, which is three oh. shelves up, uh, which then emptied itself over everything <laughs> that I own underneath. Yeah. Oh, what a great start. Yeah. Have you, uh, have you been enjoying the toilet facilities yet? Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I Clean did think it was a bit right? weird. I will not that, I'm not that keen on the um, sitting down and the getting old, hot butt cheeks while I'm just about to old, sort of... Oh, yeah. Right, okay. I mean, I've been yeah. sat on a plane for ages. I just want to have a, a dump and get on with it. And, th- and, th- <laughs> and it started heating me up. And I was like, oh, God, I don't need this. But then when I WhatsApped you, when I was sat there and you went, use that button. Yeah, it's different gravy, that, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's a well. What an, what an interesting, phrase. yeah, yeah. What an interesting comparison. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, Sorry. lumpy gravy at best. Oh. Um, right, we'd best get out of here. Uh, we will be with you next. All being well, uh, early evening on Sunday UK time. Um, let's see how that planning goes. Uh, in the meantime, Tom, thank you very much. It's Sayonara from me, and see you later from me. Lovely. Ta-ta. This has been a Rugby Media production.